Well, this is just going to be kind of a testimony. Uh, Some of you have heard this. Others have not heard it. But even if you heard it, you need to hear it again. Uh, I was uh, sitting in the recliner about eight or nine days ago. I said, Lord, when I do preach, I have no idea what I'm going to preach, and I don't know if I'll have the energy to get one together. And uh, he, and he, he plainly spoke to me. He said, give, give that testimony of what happened uh, back in the 80s. Uh, Cottage Hill was really uh, growing at that time. A lot was going on. Spiritual warfare was unbelievable. It seems like while God was blessing mightily, every demon in hell was fighting against our church. And so I felt the need just to get away and to spend a month getting to know Jesus. So I went to the leadership of the church and I asked him, I said, um, I'd like to take a month and all I want to do is preach on Sunday morning, preach on Wednesday night, and preach on uh, Sunday night. And I want to spend the rest of the time not studying for sermons, not doing anything, but reading the Word and getting to know Jesus. I said, I need to know Jesus more intimately and more personally. And there was just a, a longing in my heart. So they graciously said, well, you just take that month. And so during a time of praying and fasting, I had one goal. When it was over, I would have a more intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and that I would know him better than I'd ever known him before. So as the journey started, you know, um, the Lord began to speak to me in a way that um, it wasn't an audible voice and it wasn't at one time. But I'm just going to give you, t- t- just, I'm going to let you walk with me through the journey. He said, if you want to know me intimately and personally, he said, you've got to follow me. I said, well, Lord, I thought I'd been doing that all these years. He said, but uh, th- there's some places I want you to follow me too. I said, well, Lord, I- I'm willing to follow you. All you've got to do is show me where. And by the way, look at that verse on the screen, John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. You know, as you follow Jesus, and as you follow him closely, seeking to know him intimately, you know, he reveals himself to you. And you really get to know him better than you knew him before. So as time passed, um, during a time of prayer and fasting, the Lord showed me four places that Jesus said, now, if you will follow me to these four places, I know this is a, a message to believers now. I'm, ta- I'm preaching to Christians, okay? He said, if you'll follow me, uh, you'll get to know me, and you'll have an intimate knowledge with me. I said, all right, Lord. And, and over a period of about three weeks, he showed me four places that he wanted me to follow him. And the first one was this. He said, 
I want you to follow me to the upper room. And I want to teach you to wash feet. And I want to give you a servant's heart. And when you have a servant's heart, you'll get to know me. I said, okay. And then we went a little further along. And then he said, about two or three days later, he said, now the other place I want you to follow me is to Gethsemane. And there, as you go there with me, spend time with me, I'll give you a surrendered heart. And when you have a servant's heart and a surrendered heart, you'll get to know me in a personal and intimate way. I said, all right, Lord. Well, we went on a little bit longer in that month. And uh, the third thing he said to me, then I want you to follow me from not only to the upper room and get a servant's heart, and you'll get to know me. But I want you to follow me to uh, Gethsemane and get a surrendered heart, and you'll get to know me. He said, but I want you to follow me to Golgotha. And there I want to give you a sacrificial heart. And let you learn what it is to die to yourself. So that I can live my life through you. I said, all right, Lord. And then there was one other place. He said, having gone to the upper room and spent time with me and become a servant to Golgotha and been to Gethsemane and learned what it is to surrender and to Golgotha and to learn what it is to die to yourself so Christ can live through you, I want you to go with me to the empty tomb and I'll give you a supernatural heart. Now that sounded exciting to me. I mean, I was excited about the upper room, a servant's heart, Gethsemane, a surrendered heart, Golgotha, a sacrificial heart. But man, I really got excited about the empty tomb, a supernatural heart. I said, why don't we skip the other three? Why don't we just go straight to the empty tomb? You know what he said? I could not trust you with a supernatural heart unless you have a servant's heart. And I can't trust you with a supernatural heart unless you have a surrendered heart. And I sure can't trust you with a supernatural heart unless you have learned to die to yourself and to allow me to live my life through you. So I want us today just briefly to visit each one of these places. In John chapter 13, uh, by the way, uh, if you want to get to know Jesus, uh, it's um, that, 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 that we'll, we'll get, yeah, we'll leave, leave that scripture up there. Okay. What, what is this about the upper room? What is it about a servant's heart? In John 13, too, it says, During supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, now, he knew he was fixing to die within about 36 hours. He was staring the cross dead in the eye. You know, some of the most important things you say to a person before you die are the, are very, the most important things. So it's no coincidence before he went to the cross that Jesus took those disciples into an upper room. And look what he said. He got up from supper. 
He laid aside his garments and taking a towel, he wrapped himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wash them with a towel with which he was girded. And then it says, now look, look, look at what the whole purpose of this was. Don't you miss it. So when he had washed their feet and had taken, and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I've done to you? Of course they did. He just washed their feet. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. And then here's what he said. If I then, the Lord and teacher, washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. And then he went on and said, I have given you an example that you should do even as I did to you. You know, above everything, Jesus was a servant. Do you know that? He said, the Son of Man did not come to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. In fact, Jesus said the greatest in his kingdom is a servant. And, and, um, in, in Matthew chapter 23, verses 11 and 12, Jesus said, this, uh, that, but the greatest among you, now stay with me, but the greatest among you shall be your servant, was what Jesus said. All right, so what does it mean to have a servant's heart? What does it mean to wash up another person's feet? Well, let me just say this. I got the thinking. It's easy to say that uh, you want to serve and you want to minister. But the Bible says, let us love not in word or in tongue, but in deed or in truth. I said, well, Lord, how do you wash people's feet? How do you really have a servant's heart? If the Son of God, who created their feet, washed their feet. If the Son of God, who spoke this universe out of nothing, got on his knees and washed the feet of his disciples one of which was going to betray him, named Judas. I said, Lord, it, it must be very significant that as your followers, that we have a servant's heart. He said, that's the only way you'll get to know me, is to have a servant's heart. And I said, well, well how do you know if you have a servant's heart? I want to mention this to you. Listen to me. When you love people, when you listen to people, when you invest in people's lives and when you involve yourselves with them, then you know you're really washing their feet. See, the world is so busy and everybody's in such a hurry and everybody has their own agenda. But just to find somebody that'll love you and listen to you and invest in your life and involve themselves they will, be, quote, inconvenience themselves in order to wash your feet. I, I'm going to tell you, you, you're really in the trenches with Jesus when you have a servant's heart. And you're ministering to the people that Jesus died for and that Jesus rose 
to live his life in. I want to say this. You, when you have a servant's heart, Jesus will reveal himself to you. And you will get to know him better than you've ever known him before. I've told this story before because um, it, it had an indelible impression on me. Back in the 70s, um, uh, I, I went home for a weekend to Rock Hill, South Carolina. Uh, my father had already passed away, and so I was going to spend a few days with my mother. And I happened to be there on a Wednesday. At that time, my mother was in her late 70s. She had raised seven children, five girls and two boys, on a policeman's salary. And uh, she said, well, now... Fred, we're going to go on to we're going, we're going to go to prayer meeting tonight, and said uh, I'm going to go ahead, and you come on later. I said, Mama, I want to ask you a question. Why don't we just go together? She said, No, you don't understand. Uh, I served the Wednesday night supper up at the church. I said to myself, Mama, you you're almost eighty years old. You raised seven children. All you've ever done your whole life is serve people. Don't you think it's sometime, about time somebody served you? That never crossed her mind. And I remember going that night, and she was a little frail even then, and watching her with the love of Jesus put food on the plates of those who came through. And I never have forgotten that picture of what it really is to be a servant. You want to know Jesus? You just let him live in you, and you let him wash feet, and you'll get to know him. But the second place, that if we're going to get to know him, and by the way, you go here daily. It's not a once and for all experience. It's a daily experience of being a servant. It's a daily experience of washing feet. But the second place uh, that he said you need to go is Gethsemane. And that was the place of surrender. The scripture will be on the screen. Said, then Jesus came to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter, the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be grieved and, and distressed. He, now listen, what this was a pain Jesus was going through. My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. So Jesus prayed. He said, Father. He looked into the cup. He said, Father, if it is possible, if there's any other way people can be saved, if there's any other way people can be forgiven, if there's any other way people can have eternal life, if there's any other way than me going to the cross, dying in their place, shedding my precious blood. And he knew it was Father's will, but he was struggling. See, that, that's an example of the humanity of Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God, but he was the Son of Man. He had emotions just like you and I have. He knew what it was to experience pain and rejection and suffering. And so as he looked into that cup and he saw all the sins of the whole world and, and all of the shame of the sin of the whole world. And he saw that moment on the cross when he would cry, my God, why have you forsaken me? He looked into that cup and he said, Lord, 
twice. If it's possible. Let it pass from me. But nevertheless. Not my will. You know that's called surrender. If it's possible but nevertheless. No. Not my will. But yours be done. I will say this to you about the will of God. And you know it to be true. The will of God is perfect. Uh, The will of God is good. The will of God is acceptable. The will of God is perfect. And the will of God is eternal. But the will of God is not painless. It's not painless. You see, oh man, I, I love the good and acceptable will of God. The perfect will of God. But what about when you get to the point in the will of God that there's great pain involved. What do you do? You say like Jesus, not my will, but yours be done. I tell you, there will come a time when you're going to look into the cup and your, everything in you is going to say, I, I don't want to drink that. I, I don't want to drink that. Lord, I, I'm just asking you, is there any other way? He said, no. You say, well then, Okay, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. You know, the will of God is not always painless. I was pastoring Eastview Baptist Church right outside of my hometown, about 15 minutes from my mother and dad's house, about 15 minutes from Ann's parents' house. All my brothers and sisters lived close by. And I had been telling the Lord, Lord, if you'll open the door for me, I'll go to seminary. And the only seminary I would go to would be Southwestern in Texas. And I was in South Carolina because the rest of the seminaries were liberal. And I, 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 have, I felt very comfortable. <laughs> There's no way God's going to open a door for me to go to a church in Texas. I mean, that ain't never going to happen. So I just felt real safe. Do you understand? Till I went to the Southern Baptist Convention in, in Texas and a friend of mine, Gene Lee, said, I want you to preach for my church while you're here. And he said, I'm going to have a pulpit committee to come hear you. I said, well, I'll be glad to preach for you. Well, they came, and it was a little small church called Forest Park, ran about 100. Guess how far it was from the seminary? One mile. (laughs) One mile. There were 3,000 students looking for a church, and there was one mile, one one mile from the church that God opened for me to go to. I said, Lord, are you sure? He said, what have I got to do? Send you a telegram? (laughs) Now, you talk about painful to take two little boys and a wife who didn't want to leave South Carolina and a preacher who didn't want to leave South Carolina and move all the way to Texas and get there and find out the place didn't even have air conditioning. It had a humidifier. And that's the worst thing in this world. It just blows out wet air is all it does. But I tell you, the, it was, the will of God was good. <laughs> it was acceptable. It was perfect. But it was not painful. But if I had not obeyed God, I would not be standing here today. Let me just say this to you in the will of God. The only thing that is eternal is God's will. And only when you are in the will of God and doing the will of God, the world passes away and all the lust are up. But he that does the will of God abides forever. 
Now, if you want to know to Jesus, you've got to have your heart on the altar. You've got to present your body a living sacrifice. You can't put any strings attached to the will of God. Whenever God speaks his will to you, the answer has to be yes. And I'm telling you, when you have a surrendered heart, it is amazing how you get to know Jesus. It seems, it seems like you're walking with him and as you wash feet and as you live a life of surrender, it's just like you get to know him better and he reveals his heart to you. Well, the third place that he said he wanted me to go was to Golgotha and there he'd give me a sacrificial heart. All right, on the screen you'll notice the verse. And they went to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of a skull. And they gave him wine to drink mixed with gall. And after tasting it, he was unwilling to drink. And when they had crucified him, Jesus died on a cross on Golgotha, the hill shaped like a skull. He died there. They divided his garments among them casting lots, and when they crucified him. You know, just as uh, we follow Jesus and he gives us a servant's heart and a surrender's heart, when we get to Golgotha, he teaches us what it is to die to ourselves. Have you ever noticed that a people? some people say, well, this is my cross and this is my cross and I have to bear this cross? No, 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 no. Let me tell you one thing about the cross. It is an instrument of death. It's an instrument of death. You die on the cross. That's what you do. You'd see someone walking out the streets of Jerusalem with a cross on his back. You knew he was never going to come back because he was going to die. You know, but the Bible says if we seek to save our life, we'll lose it. But if we lose our life for his sake, we will find it. And it's only when we are willing to die to ourselves that we know abundant life. That's the only. As long as you want to hold on to your life, and as long as you want to control your life, and as long as you want to allow your flesh to still be alive, you're not ever going to get to know Jesus intimately. It is only when you take your place on the cross and you die. Only then. You know the enigma of the Christian faith? Life comes out of death. You don't live until you die. But once you die, then you live. And do you think the flesh dies easy? You think it dies easy? You think it wants to uh, give its rightful place up? Not its rightful place, give up its place in your life? Oh, no, no, no. The greatest struggle, you know, in Colossians 3, it says, uh, for you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Luke 9, 23 and 24 says, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself. Put, on, put it on the cross. And come and follow me. I want to say to you with all the authority and conviction of my heart. You really can get to know Jesus intimately. 
He can be the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He will no longer treat you as a servant. He will treat you as a friend and share his innermost heart with you. But you know, you've got to be willing to let him live his life through you. You've got to be willing to wash feet. And you've got to be willing to have a surrendered heart. And you've got to be willing just to die to yourself so that the life of Christ can live through you. In the last place, he said, if you want to get to know me intimately, follow me daily and I'll give you a servant's heart. Follow me daily and I'll give you a surrendered heart. Follow me daily and I'll give you a sacrificial heart. But then just go with me to the empty tomb. And I'll give you a supernatural heart. You know, Romans 1, 3, and 4. Listen to what it says. Concerning his son Jesus, born a descendant of David according to the flesh. Now listen to this. Was declared to be the son of God with power through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. No wonder Paul said... And if anybody knew Jesus, Paul knew him. But he said, I want to know Jesus. And I want to know the power of his resurrection. That's what I want to know. And I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. Being made conformable to his death. You know, in Ephesians 1 it says that we can never exhaust. I want you to listen to these words. The unsearchable riches of Christ you know the Bible speaks of the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ you can spend every minute of your day for the rest of your life and you will never exhaust all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge that are hidden in the Son of God you say brother Fred I've been a Christian a long time and I really know Jesus yeah but you just scratch the surface the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. To know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his servant. Fellowship of his sufferings. You know, if, if, if Luke 4.18 fellowship is ever going to impact this city, if we're ever going to impact this neighborhood and community, We've got to infiltrate this community and just live with a servant's heart. We've got to wash people's feet. We've got to be quick to obey the will of God. And we've got to be willing just to die to ourselves so the resurrected life of Jesus can live his life through us. And then we'll find that we're moving not in our own power. You see, the early church lived in resurrection power. Jesus was not in the tomb. The Holy Spirit had been sent and given. And any power we have will be the resurrection power of Jesus that is ours through the Holy Spirit. You know, when will the church realize the best that the, the, best that the flesh can do is as filthy rags? The only thing that is eternal is that which is done in the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. The church does not move forward by programs 
or plans or the initiatives and the gifts of men, the church moves ahead in the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit of God. And all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. All is vain. It is not by might. It is not by power. It is by my Spirit, saith the Lord. When in the world will the body of Christ or religion start, stop striving and struggling and start try, keep, keep trying to do God's work in the flesh and realize that we are totally helpless unless the Holy Spirit of God takes full control and moves in our midst. I hope you're not trusting in anybody or anything but the Holy Spirit to enable you to be the person that God wants you to be. If you're trusting in anything or anyone else to, to help you to be what you ought to be other than the Holy Spirit, you will be an utter failure. So I remember, you know, it's a daily thing, y'all. We all want a quick fix, and we want it to be uh, a one-time shot that cures us forever. No. Let me just say this. You've got to go to the upper room every day. Whose feet are you going to wash today? Hey, by the way, whose feet are you going to wash today? Who's God going to put into your life that you can listen to them and love them? What is God going to call for you to surrender today? It may be painful. Are you going to surrender? Are you willing, to, when you've got that choice, oh, I'm just going to die to myself so that Christ can live through me? Are you ready to make that choice? And are you willing to say, I am not going to live in, in my, live in my own power. I will only live in the power of the resurrection. <laughs> I want to close with this story. I had just preached this at Cottage Hill about washing feet. And I was in the airport in Atlanta. And, you know, being the spiritual giant that I am, <clears throat> I saw this person <clears throat> that I did not like to be around. And I said, I do not want him to see me because I'll have to talk and talk and talk. So I kind of hid behind a post. Guess what? He saw me. But let me tell you what happened. We sat down. <clears throat> and I just listened to him. And, and instead of me washing his feet, you know what he did? He washed my feet. Man, he just loved me and listened to me and encouraged me and blessed me. And when it was all over, I said, Lord... Will I ever get beyond where I'm at? I had a chance just to live out what you had taught me. So remember, the very person you probably don't want to minister to, you're going to see him today. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to get to wash their feet. And you'll laugh at the same time. Amen? <laughs>